Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. Also streaming worldwide at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 356. Today's topic is the war in Ukraine, truth, fiction, and propaganda. We're going to be looking at a statement from President Biden on Russia's attempts to annex Ukrainian territory from the White House, September 30th, 2022. But first, let's read a statement, a quote from John Foster Dulles. Dulles. Uh, John Foster Dulles was the Secretary of State under President Eisenhower. Dulles said, in order to bring a nation to support the burdens incident to maintaining great military establishments, it is necessary to create an emotional state akin to war psychology. There must be the portrayal of an external menace or of internal conditions rendered intolerable by the unjust restraints of foreign nations. This involves the development to a high degree of the nation-hero, nation-villain ideology and the arousing of the population to a sense of the duty of sacrifice. So the sacrifice he's talking about there is the willingness, in this case, of Americans to pay the price for war, the price for war in terms of blood and money in order to get people to be willing to pay the price for war in terms of blood and money you have to have a a a way of making people feel emotion what dulles calls an emotional state akin to war psychology there must be the portrayal of an external menace so in this case the external menace is russia we have to portray russia as an external menace and to do this involves the portrayal kind of an ideology or a mythology that says we're the heroes and they're the villains so you're going to see this hero villain mythology throughout President Biden's statement. The statement begins as follows. The United States condemns Russia's fraudulent attempt today to annex sovereign Ukrainian territory. Russia is violating international law, trampling on the United Nations Charter, and showing its contempt for peaceful nations everywhere. So the annexation of territory that they're talking about here is in the southeastern part of Ukraine, where you have 8 million people who identify as Russians or Russian speakers. And since 2014, the government of Kiev has been making war on these promises, uh, provinces, and the result has been 14,000 deaths, according to Wikipedia. So Biden says Russia is violating international law. And my question is, is there any country today who violates international law as much or as routinely or as frequently or as abundantly as does the United States? So the United States does not uh, obey or honor international law, 
but we sure are willing to preach a good sermon about it. Biden says we are, or it says Russia is trampling the United Nations Charter and showing its contempt for peaceful nations everywhere. So the United Nations Charter was adopted in 1945. Here is a partial list of casualties, uh, deaths caused by the United States since 1945 in violation of the United Nations Charter. Korea, 3 million dead in the 1950s. Guatemala, 200,000 dead in a civil war that stretched from 1954 to 1994 caused by the United States. Vietnam, 3 million dead between 1955 and 1975. I've seen figures or I've seen estimates lower than that for Vietnam. But compare Vietnam to Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, 2,500 Americans died in an uh, arguably an unprovoked attack. But that's 2,000. And by any estimates, the war in Vietnam, also unprovoked and unwarranted, resulted in in a, a thousand times that many deaths. In Indonesia in the 1960s, 500, conservatively speaking, 500,000, easily 700,000 or more people died in a coup that was so quick, so quiet, and so deadly, the people of Indonesia can hardly talk about it today. It's like it didn't happen. It was so quiet and behind the scenes, and that was a CIA operation. This is not conspiracy theory. This is well documented. Besides, conspiracies happen every day. But that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? El Salvador in the 1970s to the 1990s, approximately 100,000 people died because of U.S. meddling and funding death squads. Chile in the 1970s, 30,000 people died. Nicaragua in the 1980s, 50,000 people died when we were you know, funding the Contras, the Contra Revolucionarios that were making war on the democratically elected government of Nicaragua. Then you have Iraq in the 1990s. A couple hundred thousand Iraqis died in the first uh, Iraq war, and then in the sanctions in the 1990s between the first and the second Iraq war, you have somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 or 300,000 children died in Iraq because of the sanctions and because we destroyed their infrastructure hospitals, water, sanitation, transportation. And that's just a partial list. I haven't talked yet about Afghanistan, the the second Iraq war, or Yemen, or Syria. Yemen is a a Saudi-led, U.S.-supported genocide of the people of Yemen, estimated 400,000 dead. Syria, same thing, started in 2014 in Operation Timber Sycamore, estimated 400,000 people have died in a U.S. orchestrated civil war in which our allies are the local affiliates of ISIS and Al-Qaeda, so-called moderate rebels, but they're anything but moderate. So the U.S. is endlessly not only meddling, but invading other countries and slaughtering people. And yet we feel like we get to be this hero in a story where we're the hero and somebody else is the villain. The um, 
Russian invasion of Ukraine is illegal and immoral, but it's really small scale compared to what the U.S. has done. And the war in Ukraine has a rational relationship with the legitimate interests of Russia. The legitimate interest to not have Nazis on their border. The Azov Battalion is a military group in Ukraine that is Nazi. And as recently as three or four years ago, Ro Khanna in Congress, when he was still telling the truth about such things, said we have to stop funding these Nazis. This is relevant to the legitimate national interest of Russia, which was invaded by Nazis in World War II, and 27 million of their people died. That's about 60 times as many Russians died in World War II as Americans. And by the way, it was the Russians, not the Americans, who won the war in Europe. By any measure, by you know the number of people they sacrificed, by the uh, number of German armies that they engaged, the number of Germans they killed, the number of armies they defeated. This has been well documented, well explained by a historian by the name of Peter Kuznick, who collaborated with Oliver Stone in a, a series, which was a book, an audio book, and a 10-part documentary called The Untold History of the United States. So the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a violation of international law, but it's small potatoes compared to what the U.S. has done, and it has a rational relationship to their legitimate national interests. Russia is uh, like occupies one-seventh of the land mass on Earth. It is, it is the largest country in the world, and there's only one place in the Russian territory that is a warm water port, all year round, in other words, which is the Black Sea. Back to Biden's statement, he says, Russia is violating international law, trampling on the United Nations Charter, showing its contempt for peaceful nations everywhere, as if the U.S. does anything but show our contempt for peaceful nations everywhere. We have a thousand uh, estimated 800 to 1,000 milita foreign military bases, estimated 800 to 1,000 foreign military bases worldwide, as if that doesn't show contempt for peaceful nations everywhere. So let's talk about the United Nations Charter. I have a couple of sentences here from the Charter to quote from, and the, char the United Nations Charter is a treaty that the United States entered into with over a hundred other nations in 1945 as a treaty it is the law of the land it is supposed legally it is supposed to be binding upon the people and the government and the institutions of the united states this is supposed to be the law of the land but as it said that it's honored more in the breach than in the observance the united nations treaty uh, charter reads in part all members shall settle their international disputes by peaceful means in such a matter, manner that international peace and security and justice are not endangered. So does the United States settle its disputes in a, by peaceful means? We're not even talking about a diplomatic solution. 
to the war in Ukraine. We're sending billions in weapons, which is a cost to the U.S. taxpayer, and it benefits the military-industrial complex. The money's not really leaving the United States. It's just going straight from the government to the people that make the weapons. And according to a CBS report, which was quickly taken down, most of those weapons are going we know not where. They're ending up in the hands of warlords and organized crime. So we're just throwing a lot of weapons at the situation, fueling the fire, adding fuel to the fire, and no diplomatic solution is on the table. Furthermore, the UN Charter reads, All members shall refrain in their international relations from the threat or use of force against the territorial integrity or political independence of any state or in any manner inconsistent with the purposes of the United Nations. So is Russia violating the territorial integrity or the political independence of any state? Yes, they are, but the U.S. has violated the territorial integrity of Ukraine for time immemorial, not least of all since 2014 when, the, when we helped instigate a coup that resulted in a change of government in Ukraine. Ukraine is not an independent country. It is a, a, a puppet of the U.S. right now. Another way of, in which we have violated the territorial integrity and political independence of, of other states is through the relentless eastward expansion of NATO. According to Medea Benjamin of Code Pink, Declassified U.S., Soviet, German, British, and French documents posted by the National Security Archive reveal multiple assurances by Western leaders to Gorbachev and other Soviet officials throughout the process of German unification in 1990 and 1991. So what they're talking about here is when the Berlin Wall fell and when the days of the old Soviet Union were numbered, they wanted to reunify Germany, and Gorbachev was saying, well, reunifying Germany is a little bit problematic for us because, you know, Germans invaded our country and killed 27 million people in World War II. If we allow German unification, can you assure us that no other countries will join NATO, to which the under President George H.W. Bush and Secretary of State James Baker, we said yes. And then it wasn't very long in, until NATO was expanded and expanded and expanded all the way up to the Russian border. NATO should have been disbanded in 1990 because if it ever had a purpose to begin with, which I would question, but if it ever had a purpose, its purpose was over when the Soviet Union fell and was no longer communist. But as it turns out, that was just a cover story and an excuse to spend money on weapons and to practice aggression and call it defense. And that's how the United States in Europe continues to use the, uh, the threat or use of force. Even the threat of force is illegal according to the United Nations. 
So when you have NATO as how many countries? I don't know. But it's a lot of countries. NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, but they go way beyond the North Atlantic. Uh, they've been involved in the war in Afghanistan, in Iraq, not least of all Libya. So Libya was, the war in Libya was started by totally bogus means. Uh, Muammar Gaddafi was overthrown, captured by warlords, and sodomized with a sword shortly before being shot in the head. If you're a head of state, like Vladimir Putin or anybody else, and you see that NATO is capable of overthrowing a regime, capturing the leader, sodomizing him with a sword. You understand what I'm talking about? Sodomizing a man with a sword. Then the very presence of NATO on your borders, not, not to mention all the rhetoric that comes out of Washington, D.C., but the very presence of NATO on your border is a threat to your territorial integrity and your political sovereignty. So when Biden, in, in, his, in a stupor, said, you know, Vladimir Putin has got to go. That's a terrible <laughs> imitation of Biden, but Vladimir Putin has got to go. Well, that's a threat of the use of force. That's a threat against the political uh, independence of another nation. Besides, if that were to happen, who would replace Vladimir Putin? Possibly somebody worse and we're talking about a country that has many thousands of nuclear weapons. Be careful what you wish for. Continuing with Biden's statement, he says, Make no mistake, these actions have no legitimacy. The United States will always honor Ukraine's internationally recognized borders, which is patently untrue if you understand what the U.S. has done in Ukraine in recent years, which is in Victoria Newlands, she was uh, number three at the State Department, is, is currently number three at the State, State Department. She was at the time the ambassador to the EU in 2014, and she said on a recorded phone call that was later released, F the EU. The, and what that meant in context was that we are going to decide who the president of Ukraine is. That means we are, you know, we are eliminating the political independence of Ukraine if we're the ones that decide who the president is. The Biden says we will continue to support Ukraine's efforts to regain control of its territory by strengthening its hand militarily and diplomatically. I don't know why he says diplomatically there including through the $1.1 billion in additional security assistance the United States announced this week. So there's been uh, how many tens of billions of dollars have gone to Ukraine? You know, Flint, Michigan doesn't have clean water, but we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Americans don't have health care, but we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Biden says, in response to Russia's phony claims of annexation, the United States, together with our allies and partners, allies and partners means whoever does what we tell them to do. And if they're not, a, if they don't do what we tell them to do, they are an enemy. You, you know, in, in the, US, the mentality of the U.S. empire, you're either two things. If you're a country, you're one of two things. You're either 
a vassal state, in other words, a puppet. You're either a puppet or you're an enemy. If you don't do what, I, what we say, you are the enemy. And there are a handful of countries in the world that don't do what we say. And that's Russia, China, Iran, Syria, Venezuela, Nicaragua, uh, Cuba, North Korea. And that's the real reason we made war on Iraq, because Saddam Hussein was too independent. You can say he was a, a, a vicious dictator, but he was, he was our ally. He was our boy. And uh, Muammar Gaddafi was just increasingly independent, wanted to <laughs> imagine that. He wanted, to be, he wanted his country to be sovereign. He, he wanted his country to not take orders from the U.S. And, and Iraq and Libya were, before we made war on them, they were the two countries in the Middle East and Africa Iraq was um, uh, had a, a strong middle class, unlike most countries in the Middle East. Libya was uh, pretty much the the richest country in uh, in Africa in terms of the well-being of the people. Now Libya is a is a failed state, and they've got open-air slave markets in Libya because. The United States overthrew them, such as is our commitment to freedom and democracy. So when the United States talks about allies and partners, what they mean is people who follow our orders. Continuing to read Biden's statement, these sanctions, he's talking about imposing sanctions. These sanctions will impose costs on individuals and entities inside and outside of Russia that provide political or economic support to illegal attempts to change the status of Ukrainian territory. <laughs> illegal attempts to change the status of a, of a territory of a small country. That's what the U.S. does. That's why we have 800 to 1,000 foreign military bases. Biden says we will continue to provide Ukraine with the equipment it needs to defend itself, undeterred by Russia's brazen effort to redraw the borders of its neighbor. So the U.S. doesn't redraw borders, we just replace the whole government. So back when I read you all of the, all, all of the deaths, all of the, the body count of U.S. foreign policy and U.S. militarism since 1945, this um, quote from George Orwell is instructive. This is from Notes on Nationalism. He says, the nationalist not only does not disapprove of atrocities committed by his own side, but he has a remarkable capacity for not even hearing about them. So nationalism is like American exceptionalism. It's that hero-villain ideology and mythology that's been taught to us our entire lives in the media, in schools. We are the heroes. We are going, we're the Boy Scout of the world. We're going around the world defending freedom and democracy and human rights. We have 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prisoners, many of whom, uh, a third to a half, are there for nonviolent drug crimes. But we are defending freedom and democracy. We are the beacon of freedom and democracy, even though we have a fourth of the prisoners in the world, most of whom are in prison, in for-profit prisons, because they allegedly 
committed a nonviolent drug crime. G.K. Chesterton said, My country, right or wrong, is like saying my mother, drunk or sober. My country, right or wrong, is, is no way to, uh, to be a hero. My country, right or wrong, is like saying might makes right. We're the biggest, we're the strongest, so what we say goes. My country, right or wrong, is when we can violate international law till the cows come home, but we're always pointing the finger at other countries. Russia, China, Syria, Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan, it's the, or communists, or, uh, it, it's these other countries that are violating international law because our country is always right by definition. George Jean Nathan said patriotism is often an arbitrary veneration of real estate above principles. An arbitrary veneration of real estate above principles. In other words, my country is right because I was born in it. Bertrand Russell said patriotism is the willingness to kill and be killed for trivial reasons. I would add it's also the willingness to kill and be killed for hypocritical reasons. It's always the other country that's wrong, even though we've done wrong on a much larger scale than any other country. Jimmy Carter said, President Jimmy Carter said, that we are the most warlike nation in history. And he's right. Who else? What other country in history is more warlike than the United States. Foreign policy expert George Kennan said this. He was at, with the State Department in 1948, and this was right after World War II. The U.S. was left standing after most of the all of the rest of the industrialized world was destroyed, and Kennan says, we have about 50% of the world's wealth. Imagine that. Well, you see, Okay, start over. We have about 50% of the world's wealth, but only 6.3% of its population. In this situation, we cannot fail to be the object of envy and resentment. Our real task in the coming period is to devise a pattern of relationships which will permit us to maintain this position of disparity without positive detriment to our national security. To do so, we will have to dispense with all sentimentality and daydreaming, and our attention will have to be concentrated everywhere on our immediate national objectives. We will not deceive ourselves that, that we can afford today the luxury of altruism and world benefaction. In other words, number one, we have 50% of the world's wealth but only 6.3% of the population. We have way more than our fair share of the world's wealth because we earned it, of course. We didn't steal this stuff. We earned it. But we have all this wealth. People are going to want to take it from us so we, can't, we don't have the luxury of being altruistic or generous or good. And he said the quiet part out loud. It's not about freedom and democracy and human rights. It's about money and power and dominating anybody that wants to have their fair share 
of wealth or freedom. Oh, look at the time. That's all. Bye-bye.